You're listening to episode 30. This is Grace on Fire. Join your virtual pastor as he offers insight and inspiration into topics we all face. Be empowered. Gain confidence with God's grace so you can face life's most challenging problems. When you integrate faith in every aspect of your life, you can live an extraordinary one for a higher purpose. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan G. Smith. And hello and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, a.k.a. Smitty. And I am your virtual pastor. Great to be here on the show with you and happy Thanksgiving. I hope that your Thanksgiving was as good as mine. You know, uh, this Thanksgiving, we usually would go down to uh, my uh, family's house and it'd be a great big get together. But uh, just because of everything that's been going on in the ministry at Redeemer Anglican Church and just personal stuff with my family, we decided that we were just going to take it easy and that we were just going to relax and so uh, this uh, Thursday, we just got together uh, with my brother and his wife and just had a great time. So anyways, great to be here with you today. And, you know, the goal of this show is to help you craft your life with a higher purpose. Now, you know, here's the deal. To craft your life, now think about that word craft. That, that means that is an ongoing active process. When you are crafting something, when you are shaping something or forming something, that requires at times, you know, it requires skill. It requires, you know, knowing the the material. If we could just use it sort of a crude analogy of like clay, if you know your life is clay and you're trying to mold it and shape it, then there's all kinds of things that mold and shape clay, including your hands, water, etc. But you know, what are the things that you're doing? What are the things that you're listening to? What are the tools that you're bringing to the table to help craft your life? And so what I'm going to do today is kind of talk to you about one of the tools that I've been using for the past two years to help shape and craft my own personal life. And that tool has been podcasts. And podcasts are great because it's free content that people have taken the time, like this podcast actually, and they have designed and shaped a podcast for you, the listener. And so I'm going to give you my top five podcasts that have been just tremendous tools for me, have been tremendous voices that I've been listening to over the last couple of years. And, you know, frankly, I'm so thankful. And as the title of this podcast said, I am thankful for these top five podcasters. So we're going to get into that in just a little while. Also, we're going to be talking, uh, doing some street theology today, talking about cultivating some gratitude. And also, I've got a cool like life hack for you. So, we're going to get started right now. And before we get into that life hack, I want to take a moment and ask you to do me a favor. Posture Shift 2016 is coming to Redeemer Anglican Church of Orlando, Florida, and I am super excited about what this means. You know, if you're like me and you're just tired of feeling on the offensive in the evangelical versus LGBT plus discussions, then I want to tell you that Posture Shift is the seminar for you. You know. I'm going to be partnering up with Mr. Bill Henson with Lead Them Home, and we're going to bring him to Redeemer in the month of December. And we're going to be talking about how do we do this? 
how do we do ministry? How do we reach out to our, our neighbors? And I'm super excited about this. The reason is, is that because all year long, I've been praying to God. I've been saying, God, teach me how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And over the last three or four months, God has been answering that particular prayer. So if you are interested in attending this seminar, I can't tell you the date and time because it is a private event, but send me a message. The best way to do that is just to leave a comment in the footnotes and let, of this uh, of this episode at jonathangsmith.com forward slash GOF30. But if you will do that, if you will just leave a comment, I will get those and I will respond to you and I will send you an invitation. So Posture Shift 2016, if you are excited about those, if that is something that's interested to you, do reach out to me and I look forward to hearing from you. Connecting deep truth for everyday life. This is Theology on the Street. And all right, and welcome to Theology on the Street, when we're going to be talking today about cultivating a heart of gratitude. You know, gratitude is so, so important. And, you know, as I was preparing for this uh, spot this, you know, this morning, I was thinking about, I was like, you know, why is it that gratitude and thankfulness is so important? I mean, you know, honestly, if you've ever run across a person who is not thankful and doesn't show gratitude and, and is not thankful for the things that they have, you know, it's just pretty ugly. I mean, it's just, it, first of all, it's obvious and then it's also ugly. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about, you know, why is that? What is it about our anthropology, about, you know, human beings where we we are very happy and, and, and we, we praise thankfulness and gratitude and we sort of despise selfishness? And I think that, you know, some of that could be a direct result of the Christian influence in the Western culture. And, and I, I think that's probably true. But, you know, if, 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 now think about this for just a moment. If evolution is right and there is no God and atheism is right, then where in the world did we actually come up with this idea of thankfulness and gratitude in the first place? I mean, think about that. I mean, I, I, I sometimes wonder that sometimes we get so focused on the scientific defenses uh, of God or versus natural theism or, 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 or atheism or whatever it is, you know, and, you know, that's all good and fine, but where do we just, how do we explain this thankfulness? How do we ex explain gratitude? How do we even explain, you know, these basic things, these basic human uh, conditions? I mean, is your dog thankful, you know, for you? Or is your dog just responding to the fact that they're just excited because they're going to, you know, you're going to feed them or take them out to the bathroom or whatever it is. You know, I think that there's something where we just need to stop at times and think a little harder about why gratitude and why thankfulness even exists in the first place. And so I want to read to you today from Psalm 138 because I love Psalm 138. And it says it this way. It says, um, uh, give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 138 of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I just loved that little phrase. Here's why I love that phrase. Because here's David, right? He's he's sitting there saying, I, I will praise the most high God. If and you know, in the face of all these other inferior gods, and in my Bible, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, it says gods and little G. And that's important because he's not saying that God, other gods don't exist. 
He's saying that in the face of those other gods, I will worship the most high God. Now, I love that because that's just so counterculture to David. You know, he's like right in his face. He says, yo, Baal and all these other gods, you know, uh, Marduk and the other uh, false gods of that particular time period. He's saying, in the face of those gods, I'm going to worship the one true God. I love that. I love David. He's awesome. Anyways, he goes on to say, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Why? For your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So he's asking, if we were to ask the question, you know, David, yo, why are you so thankful? He says, because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And what's so cool about Psalm 138 is then he explains why he's thankful and why and how God has shown steadfast love and faithfulness to him. So he goes on and he and he says in verse three, on the day I called, you answered. Now, Stop and think about a a false god for just a moment, like a stone statue. Can you actually say that that stone statue answered your prayers? See, David's going to say no, and he's going to say, according to the one true high God, that God actually answered his prayers. He goes on to say in verse 6, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. So even though God is this almighty, sovereign, king of the universe, creator of the cosmos, he regards the lowly, that's you and I, that he actually loves us, that is that he's concerned for us. Do you see this personal nature of God? He goes on to write in verse seven, though I will walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hands against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. So because of your steadfast love, because he is faithful, that God is faithful to his people, to David, David can look at his life, and he can actually say, hey, God has preserved my life, that God has delivered me out of my hands. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says, the Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. You know, I love Psalms 138. I love what David's doing because it's like David is looking at his life and David is thinking about and accounting for all the things that God has done in his life. It's as if he's writing and looking back and he is is sitting around, you know, a, a fire somewhere, you know, in his palace or maybe out in a campground or somewhere out in a field where he's been hunting. And he's just looking up at the stars or he's, he's looking up in the heavens and he's saying, I just give thanks to God for all the things that he's done in my life. And that sort of self, you know, reflection and sort of looking back at life, that is so important. And it's important for a number of reasons. Number one, it's important, I believe, because what it does is it acknowledges what God has done in your life. That's number one. That's what David's doing. He's acknowledging what God has been doing in his life. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in the daily grind of life. You know, I get caught up in the daily grind of ministry, you know, having to, you know, record a podcast, write a blog, write a newsletter, call so-and-so, call a parishioner, write a sermon, um, get feedback, plan for this ministry, go pick up my kids, uh, minister to my wife. All of those things, I mean, they can just become so overwhelming 
in the daily grind of life that sometimes I just simply forget to acknowledge all the things that God has done in my life. And that actually brings me to the second point, because what David is actually saying, he's saying, look, God is doing all of these things in your life. Why? Because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. One of the cool, cool truths that the Bible presents about God one of the, and I just love this, and I preach on this all the time, it's, it's, it's part of God's nature, it's his character, it's his hesed, it's the Hebrew word hesed, and if you look up hesed in the Old Testament, what you will find is over and over and over and over again, the Hebrew word hesed is applied to God as God's covenantal faithful love. That is, is that God is so committed to you that even when you're not as committed to him, he still remains committed to you. In other words, even when we get caught up in the grind and we fail to acknowledge God, that doesn't change God's love and his faithfulness to you because you as a believer, as calling and confessing Christ and calling out to him, when you do that, what the Bible actually says is that he transforms you and into one of his sons or daughters for him. Go read Ephesians. That is the doctrine of adoption. I love the doctrine of adoption. It's awesome. That is that God adopts us as sons and daughters of God. And when you get into the family of God, God's steadfast love and his faithfulness is poured out onto you. That's awesome. You know, I, I love this church. It's down in South Florida. It's called Cruciform Church. And uh, it, it's, I, I just admire the pastor of that church. He doesn't know it, but I admire him. I admire him because of his fortitude and his perseverance. I know that he's had tremendous obstacles in his life and he has persisted in planting that church. But one of the things he talks about as a crew, and he uses that street term crew, and he's talking about all the people around him and, and developing a crew and developing those relationships in that community. But you see, here's the thing. When you get into the family of God, you're in God's crew. And that takes you right to what David was saying when he talks about being delivered from his enemies being delivered from those people who wanted to kill him, being delivered from those who would destroy him. It is the steadfast nature and the steadfast love of God. Now, you you, you might say, and, and you might say, well, okay, well, what about all those people who have been martyred? And what about those people that have been tortured and suffered? And say, look, it's an entirely separate issue. God never guaranteed us this soft, cushy American life. What God guarantees is that no one will separate you from him that no one will separate you that is from the love of God. And ultimately, when we die, we then enjoy the goodness of God. And so what I want to say, and just kind of in closing on this particular section, is that in this Thanksgiving, let me just encourage you to think through cultivating gratitude. How are you cultivating gratitude? I'm going to give you a tip in just a moment, but getting back with David, remember it's God's steadfast love for you, his faithfulness to you that should drive you to give thanks for all that God is doing in your life. 
And now for Smitty's Life Hack Tip of the Week. Yeah, and that brings me to my tip of the week. And yes, I've got a good one for you. Listen, here is the deal. In order for you to keep track of your uh gratefulness you need to journal now i don't know if you journal uh you may you may be like me and say you know i don't have time for journaling or i've never really journaled or it just doesn't really work for me let me ask you a question how in the world do you keep records in your life how do you do it how you know what tell me how you can go back to say 2013 2012 2007 or 20 years ago, how far back can you go and pull out a record and say, wow, you know, on that day, God did this for me. Or wow, on that day, I was working for this. Let me tell you something. I have been journaling pretty consistently since the year 2000. And actually, probably prior to that, but my journals as an adult began in 2000. And that is where I was consistently sitting down with the Lord and just writing things out, writing my thoughts out. Now, do I do it every day? Absolutely not. I wish I did it every day. I wish I thought about doing it every day when I was younger and my children were younger. And when I didn't have any children, I had more time, had a little bit more flexible time. And I could actually sit down and write out these long, long, long journals. But here's the thing. What journaling has done for me is that it's created a practice of introspection as well as self-reflection. What do I mean by introspection and self-reflection? Well, first of all, by introspection, when you're introspective, you're just looking inside at the moment and saying, hey, what's going on? And you're putting it down on paper. And why that's so important is because when you can begin to externalize some of the stuff that's going on in your mushy brain and all the stuff that's going on, you just get it on a paper. Sometimes it just gives you that opportunity to sort of externalize it and to think about it. I can't tell you that when I lost my job at Knox Seminary in 2013, late 2013, man, journaling was just like my life. I, I'm not sure... I would have survived that period if I didn't have journaling. I mean, I wrote volumes in volumes and I was trying so hard through my journals to express my faith and to try to pour out my faith to Lord to the Lord. And um, now I can go back and look at that period of time and say, wow, that was a hard time. And I'm thankful for the fact that I did that. And I'm thankful for the fact that the Lord brought me through that. And that's really where the power of journaling comes from. It comes from introspection. And then you can look back and reflect on yourself and to see how far you're going. So, you know, it's never too late to start journaling. And if you have journaled and you've dropped it, pick it back up. All you got to do is fill out one small page, go get a moleskin journal. You know, journals are so cheap. I've actually been in a journal that's probably six, seven hundred pages that I picked up years and years ago, and I've just been working through it. You know, it'll probably take me another year to get through it. Um, but I have a number of journals like that where I've just filled them up and I move on to the next one. And what you actually do is you you actually begin to develop quite the library. I will give you this tip. I'm not a big fan of electronic journals, writing it out on an iPad or a computer. I tried that one time and then I lost everything that I wrote. And I really regret that. So, you know, check it out. I think that uh, journaling is one way where you can just begin to cultivate a life of gratitude. And you can do that just simply by reflecting on all that God has done for you. 
And now, it's time for our feature presentation. And that brings me to my feature presentation. And let me just say this. This is my top five podcasters. And uh, I'm going to give you that list today. And these, by the way, these are not like in hierarchical order. So I'm going to give you number one. It's not like this is my all-time number one favorite. In fact, the number one on my list here, I'm not even listening to him every day right now. Um, but I have to say that it was, he, he, he was the first guy who came to mind um, because of just how, uh, how impactful he's been. But before I get into all of that, you know, this episode is really designed to talk about how to craft your life for a higher purpose. And um, I'm very serious about crafting your life for a higher purpose. If you are not living your life with the purpose of seeking out God's design for your life, that is answering the hard question of why you're here, what has God skilled you at, and how is that being... um, how that design is being reflected in your everyday work. If you're not thinking along those lines, let me just challenge you right now. You're missing out on something significant. Here's how I know that. The body of Christ, as as the Bible describes the body of Christ, it actually describes the body of Christ as organs, hands, foots, hearts, lungs, you know, even, you know, uh, intestines. I could give you a quote here, but I'm just not going to do that right now. It's kind of crude. But anyways, the idea here is that we all function in the body of Christ as a giant, a giant uh, organism and that we all have our different functions. And so what I find so often is that, uh, particularly within church, that people lose track of what God has designed them. And they think because they're not a pastor or they're not, you know, a worship leader or, or a musician or a teacher that they somehow have a lesser purpose. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I think it's false. I actually think the problem with that came from clericalism where we professionalize clergy, you know, and we made, then what happened is the clergy had to do all the work. And then we complain about the fact that we have to do all the work. And so part of crafting a higher purpose, I believe, is understanding that major question of, you know, why are you even here? But in order to do that, in order to think about that question, and if you get to a point where you say, well, I'm not really sure that I'm doing that, then how do you make a change? How do you actually go about doing that? And if you've tried to make a change and you failed, or for example, you've tried to lose weight and have failed, how, how do you get past some of these hurdles? Well, Henry Clown had an incredible book, uh, an incredible book, and in that book, it was called Necessary Endings. And what Henry talked about in Necessary Endings was he was talking about how do you bring an end to certain things? And through that study of that book, he made a comment that really I thought was an outstanding comment. And that was is that he talked about how um, if you fail to make changes or if you fail to do certain things and you get stuck into patterns and ruts, what you have to do is to bring a third party voice into your life to kind of help you do that. In other words, if you can't do the system yourself, then you need to go to a third party system and have that person or group or thing to speak into your life to help you make those changes. You know, dieting is a, is a classic example. You know, if you can't stop eating chocolate or you don't know how to structure a new diet for yourself, then you need to go get a nutritionist or, you know, you know, a gym trainer or whatever to kind of help you get to that goal. 
And that actually is can be applied to all areas of your life, including faith, including your work, including your family. And one of the tools that I have found has been podcasting. Now, I've been involved with podcasting for years. In fact, pod, I've been involved with podcasting going back all the way to the to its heydays back in the early 2000s. Although I just started podcasting this year myself, and part of that was, was a long story, but what I started doing before I got into podcasting myself is I started listening to podcasts. And the first podcast that I came across was Michael Hyatt. So he's number one. Now, Michael Hyatt's podcast is called This Is Your Life. And let me tell you why his podcast is so incredibly personal to me. After I was fired from Knox Seminary, and, um, you know, and that was ugly, I have to be honest with you. My self-esteem and self-confidence was at a brutal low. I mean, it was a brutal low. I had not felt that poorly about myself in many, many, many years, probably going back all the way to my teenage years because I was humiliated at that. I was just completely humiliated. And part of my humiliation was that everything that I had worked for and everything that I had built was all taken away within a few moments of time. And I don't want to go into all those details, but what I had to do was I actually had to start my career over and I had to shift things around. And Michael Hyatt was the very first voice that I began to listen to. And what he he had a simple slogan. It was, when it works, succeed at life. And I felt like I had lost at work and I didn't feel very successful in life. And so I started listening to Michael Hyatt and his podcast, This, Your, this Is Your Life. And uh, he he's helped me tremendously develop my uh, social media platform, develop my voice. I mean, but even more than that, just the personal things that he brings to the table. I mean, what I love most about Michael Hyatt is just, frankly, how generous he is with his knowledge. I mean, if you don't know who he is, go check out his website at michaelhyatt.com. But he is a leadership and platform development and success guru. Prior to that, and he, he talks about in his story how he was the former CEO of Thomas Nelson. And I just love listening to him talk about his time at Thomas Nelson uh, listening to him and his experiences and the stories that he gives about the different challenges that he had as a professional. And so there's so many things that I hear in Michael Hyatt's life that I could see parallels with my own. And and frankly, there was days where I just would go for a walk and I couldn't wait to the next episode. And I would just go through his archives. And I've probably listened to a hundred, maybe probably 200 of his episodes. And frankly, they've been really, really good. And I'm just, I, I wanna encourage you that if you never heard him, right now his particular podcast is, is sort of on a hiatus and you can hear what he's calling sort of his legacy podcast and, um, you can just go back and listen to those, and they're all terrific. But he certainly is in that top five. Uh, if for me, he may be my, my number one. But like I said, I don't listen to him that often right now. But Michael Hyatt and his work has been a tremendous, tremendous importance to me. My second, uh, number two, is Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And Cliff's motto is great. It's taking your business, your life to the next level. You know, <laughs> I love Cliff. I mean, I absolutely love Cliff. 
Um, I actually hired Cliff to help me with this show, which I talked about. And, and when I relaunched my, or actually rebranded this podcast back in August of this year, I had reached out to Cliff and said, Cliff, I need help with my podcast and signed up for his podcasting A to Z course. And uh, that was some of the best money I've spent all year long. And uh, I feel, and I hope you have, that the format of the show has just tremendously benefited from his wisdom and his experience. But that's what he does. I mean, he's the podcast answer man. But what I find so valuable with Cliff Ravenscraft is this. He is honest and vulnerable. I mean, frankly, he lets it all hang out. I remember the first time that I heard Cliff Ravenscraft. It was actually on Michael Hyatt's um, platform uh, product that he has. And um, it's a, it was a great product. And, you know, I was listening to him and he had he was doing a video uh, interview with Michael Hyatt. And um, I was listening to him. And so I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, I don't really, f- I know how to, I know all the mechanics of podcasting. Uh, little did I know. Um but I went over and started listening to him, and he had some great, you know, practical tips on how to podcast, and uh, I've really benefited a lot from some of his technical experience. But what I noticed first and foremost on his blog, this it just totally shocked me. I remember the very first time I came to his blog, it had a picture of him without a shirt on, and at that point he probably weighed 280 pounds. Now, according to Michael, or to, excuse me, to Michael to Cliff, he's only about five seven, five eight, which is my height. And he had a pic, he had a picture of himself, you know, in his full glory at 280 on his blog. And I thought, this guy's crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this guy. So I actually didn't listen to him for probably, I don't know, a month or two. But then I, I, I just I just couldn't shake it. And so I went back and I started listening to this guy. And begin to track with him, you know, his his personal goal to get his health in order and why that was so important and how that related to his message. And honestly, I was hooked. I was hooked on the way that he thinks, the way he processes. I found in my own life that um, he was very, that he thought very similar similarly to me. And I could just relate to him. And, and there's sometimes like with Michael Hyatt and some others, I, I have a hard time relating to them. Because I don't feel like I'm, you know, at their level in life or at their station in life. But with Cliff, I love this guy. I was like, this guy is just tracking right along with me. And so uh, I find so much value in just how Cliff thinks. But mostly, I just find value in how honest and vulnerable he is. So check him out at thepodcastanswerman.com. I think you will find just a tremendous value in Cliff Ravenscraft. Okay, number three and that is Brett McKay's The Art of Manliness. Now, his goal <laughs> his goal is to help men become better men. Now, I think that he has perhaps one of the coolest podcasts out there. And I think it's cool, and I'm kind of dating myself, I guess, using that word, but I don't really care. Um, I think it's cool because he's focused entirely on manliness. And only this year, I would probably say, um, after being in pastoral ministry for a couple of years and being in seminary and theological education, you know, uh, what is manliness and this kind of crazy culture that we live in with all the millennials and the hipsters and, and um, et cetera? It just seems like, you know, what is it to be a man? 
And so Brett McKay has focused his career on helping men to be better men. And he, so he's got really, really funny uh, episodes and, and some of them are really cool. Sometimes you'll hear something about strength training. Uh, the very next week, he'll talk about, you know, why men don't go to the church. And then he'll talk about, you know, why football is necessary. Or he'll talk about the Greek Hellenist and their wars and why that's really important. And the topics are fascinating. I mean, he is a, he is a first rate uh, class act. And by the way, this is not like some kind of meathead uh, podcast where it's duh and those sort of things. I mean, I can just tell that McKay's a thoughtful man who is um, thinking through some of the challenges of being a man in the 21st century. And um, frankly, he brings a caliber of scholarship to his podcast that is so incredibly digestible and easy to follow. And frankly, I just find it fascinating to listen to him. So Brett McKay, The Art of Manliness, if you haven't listened to him, go check him out. Now, I'm gonna give two more here that I think are are really, really good. And both of them are what I would call transitional podcasts. Now, these are podcasts that I listen to as a pastor. And these are podcasts that I listen to for my own professional development. And so before I tell you that, let me just tell you why I think this is important. Sometimes uh, as professionals and uh, as a pastor, uh, particularly as a pastor, it's difficult to find um, other people or find people to have conversations with about the problems that you're facing. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're a pastor, there's this uh, really ungodly expectation that you know what you're doing and that uh, you know how to lead an organization. And the fact of the matter is, and I can just tell you right up front, that seminaries do terrible jobs at helping men and women become pastors, becoming leaders. They're really good, particularly the more evangelical conservative ones. They're really good at teaching the Bible, particularly reformed seminaries. That's the stream that I flow in. We're really good at teaching theology, history, and you know the languages and the bible and all of those things i believe are critically important so don't hear me disparage those at all but if there is a sacrifice that is made it's usually in the practical aspects of leading an organization of leading and uh, in, in managing people of motivating volunteers of you know just those practical hands-on things that the majority of time that's what pastors are facing so what I do is I actually go back into my podcast and I start looking for these things and these podcasts that are going to help me do a better job at being a pastor. And so the first one here, and this is number four, is Tom Rayner and Rayner's on Leadership. Now, Rayner's a Baptist, and you know when you listen to him, he sounds like a Southern Baptist. But one of the things that I admire about Southern Baptists is they know how to do church. Now, what I don't mean is the actual worship services that you might attend. What I really mean is the kind of leadership that they bring, the kind of strategies that they do, how they're thinking about managing their churches, how they are thinking about uh, organizing volunteers, how they're thinking about bringing the process of change and growth into churches and how it might have an impact on the laity, etc. This is the kind of thing that Tom Rayner brings to the table. And he's funny. You know, he's just funny. He is a Southern Baptist and he has funny things to say. And it's so refreshing. There's just times when he says things where I'm thinking like, I'm so glad he said that. It just feels so much better. 
one of the, here's a good example though of how Tom has uh, impacted me. He said that, hey, listen, what I, he said, I, you know, I'll get a group of pastors that I'm mentoring together, and he said, you know, the pastors are complaining about the church is not growing. He said, if you will just focus on evangelism for a year, I promise that your church will be in a different place in a year. And you know what? That motivated me, a redeemer. That little line right there, I'll never forget that podcast. That podcast right there just motivated me to say, hey, at Redeemer, we're having some challenges right now. And at Redeemer, we need to do a better job of evangelism. Because even though I'm an Anglican, and even though I may have a little bit of different understanding of how salvation even works than, say, Tom Rayner as a Baptist, we both can agree on one thing. If we're not out evangelizing people and talking about our church talking about Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel, doing those things, then why do we possibly think that the church is going to grow? And those are the kinds of things that have kind of gone through my mind as a pastor as a result of listening to Tom Rainer. So I'm I'm a big Tom Rainer fan. I think that Tom Rainer brings a lot to the table, and I'm super grateful for his podcast. And now my final number five in this final podcast, and that is Mr. Ray Edwards of the Ray Edwards Show. And his motto, and this may totally surprise you, particularly coming from me as a pastor, but this is what he says, how to start, run, and grow your online business. You know, one of the things that I struggle with as a pastor is the reality that 80 to 90% of people before they will ever show up on the front door of my church, will go and visit the website. That's just true. That is a, that is a fact. It is a statistic that's been verified over and over again, that the front door of most churches now is not the actual physical front door, that the front door of the church is actually your website. And so what Ray Edwards has done and, and why I listen and why I listen to him is that he's yeah, he's not a pastor, although he is a Christian, and he tries to uh, craft his show with a very intentional Christian message. That is that he is a uh, a businessman and a Christian. And he's trying to use his platform to not only evangelize uh, about his church or about his work, but he's also evangelizing about the gospel. And I really admire that about Ray. I really appreciate uh, his intentionality in that area where he's using it both as a businessman as well as a Christian. And I think it's a good example, by the way, of you know pursuing the higher life, of pursuing the life that's marked by faith and marked by understanding your design and God's design for you. And so Ray Edwards, I just admire him. I admire what he's doing. He has his son on there very often who's funny and and, and thoughtful as well. And um, yes, it's all about running an online business, but I find it to be incredibly, incredibly valuable in a wide variety of areas. Here's a real practical uh, area that I find valuable with him. He's very good and his specialty is actually copywriting. That is writing. And so he will talk about how to write well, on the importance of writing well, on writing clearly and communicating your value proposition, uh, little things like that. And sometimes as even as a pastor, but also as a business person, sometimes we fail to realize how important communicating clearly really is. And what I like about Ray is that he constantly puts that out there as saying, hey, this is really important. 
And because I was in business for a long time prior to being in ministry, you know, I really understand a lot of what he's saying and I can see the natural connections that he's making between ministry and business. So for me personally, that is my top five podcasts. Hey, listen, you might actually have a, a whole different variety of podcasts that you listen to. I hope you listen to mine. I hope it find you find valuable to it, value to it. But what I love about podcasting ultimately is this. The point here is is that you need to have something and somebody, a voice in your life that's speaking that you respect or that is helpful to you so that you can continue the process of personal development. I mean, the sad reality is this, is that a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people do not continue their education. A lot of people just coast through life decade after decade, relying on the skills or the knowledge that they learned in their 20s or 30s and cruising through their 40s and 50s and 60s. And then by the time they get to 70s, they're, they're really, you know, they really don't have anything to offer. And then there are others who continue to learn, who continue to advance, who continue to, um, you know, really excel in life. And those are the people I want to learn from. Those are the people that I think are worth listening to. And those are the kinds of voices that I want to have pumping in my head. And so that's why I think podcasting particularly, because it's a direct-to-consumer product, that is that most of these guys record and produce their own shows, just like I do, and then they distribute it via the World Wide Web, via the internet, and to our directly to our our iPhones, and then you can listen to it. I'm telling you, go out and actively identify five or six podcasts that will help you pursue and develop a higher life. You know, finally, let me just kind of close by saying this way, you know, crafting your life, crafting a life with a higher purpose requires intentionality, self-sacrifice, humility, and then the key ingredient, the willingness to learn from others' mistakes and the wisdom that comes from that. That's why I think that podcasting seems to be just one of the most valuable tools out there because there's a lot of people that are just giving out incredible wisdom and incredible knowledge. They're just giving it away. And the value that that brings is incredible and immeasurable. And frankly, I think that's the most exciting aspect of podcasting. So anyways, that is going to wrap up this uh, episode. And uh, listen, again, I'm just hoping that you will have an incredible life. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I just want to say thank you. And I pray now that the blessings of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Grace on Fire, a Verve Creative production. For show notes, updates, and more, visit jonathangsmith.com slash graceonfire.